be able to create that comfortable, safe environment, I think is so important to the safety and the sanctity of what is medical training. This is Meaningful Medicine. In a challenging and unpredictable world with high burnout rates, this is a podcast where incredible individuals share their most meaningful patient experiences and focus on those moments of positivity and joy that spark their love of healthcare and change the way they practice medicine. Hi, I'm Nicole Hohenstein, and I'm an emergency medicine resident at UCSF. Hi, I'm Shiva Kayambashi. I'm a doctor and professor of family and community medicine at UCSF. We're the co-hosts of Meaningful Medicine, We created this podcast to highlight stories of healthcare professionals who have found a sense of meaning, resilience, and joy in their work. Hey, Shiva, how are you doing? Hey, Nicole, I'm doing great today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm so excited that we get to be together. We haven't had an episode recording in a while, and it's so nice to see you and get to be together today. It really is, Nicole. I've missed seeing you and talking with you, and I'm really glad that we're together today. It's a new year. You know, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life. Uh, I think that's a song. (laughs) That's Nina Simone singing. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm feeling good. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm excited about the new year. I'm hoping it'll be a good one. I love that we're going to talk about today the theme of feedback, because I think it's so important as a way of being in the world, like just in relationships. We all, whether you're a teacher to a student or a student to a teacher or a learner in any capacity as a resident, you have teaching roles and you have the role of being evaluated. But in all relationships with friends and family too, the idea of giving feedback as an employee to an employer, but usually as an employer to an employee, I think it's just such an important skill that nobody really teaches anyone, but it's so important to giving value and meaning to your relationships and helping one another to accept and understand each other and to grow. So I'm really excited that just, you know, in the start of the new year that we can talk about something so important. I'm excited that you you chose this as our theme today. Yeah, I'm very excited. I think it's interesting, the idea of feedback, because I do think naturally we give family members, friends, if you're in a relationship, your significant other, you give them feedback. And I definitely know and have learned ways to do that more successfully, as well as kind of give feedback in a way that resonates with the other person and is actually effective. But when we think about the workplace, medicine is kind of this weird realm where as a medical student, you are constantly being evaluated by multiple different people, attendings, residents, and you're getting evaluated and giving feedback almost on a daily basis, which If you think about other jobs that adults have, we're not usually given that much feedback or being evaluated that closely on a day-to-day basis. And so I think it's one of those things that is very helpful and very necessary, but also can be quite stressful. And even as a resident, we're still in a learning environment. And so that is the case. And so I think this is a really good topic to tackle today. Yeah. Absolutely, Nicole. Thank you for saying it that way. I agree. I think one of the hardest things about, let's just backtrack a little bit to the medical student level. And then I want us, I really want us to talk about the resident experience as you are in right now, but let's go back to the med student level, which we've both done. I think one of the biggest stresses about starting on your clerkship year in third year 
and beyond, especially th third year the most. And then fourth year, it gets a little easier because you get more used to it. But it really is the perpetual feeling of being analyzed and judged and critiqued for everything you do or say or don't do or don't say. So you do something wrong and you just, you feel it. You know that the eyes are watching you and judging you and that this comes up on your evaluation. And again, I think that's a, if, if it were possible to experience your third year clerkships with less worry about how you're being judged and analyzed and critiqued and more focus on just doing right, just doing right by the patient, just doing right for the team, just doing right by your own learning and just really doing the best you can and getting constructive, valuable, meaningful, helpful, growing information without worrying about being judged on an evaluation in some a summative way, which everyone is, I think the experience would be so much richer and so much more positive and, and meaningful. But I know myself and I know for every student that I've been engaged with and mentored over the years, that's one of the biggest stresses. That's one of the hardest things. Do you remember that you're more close to medical school? Is that, was that true for you? Did that ring true for you? You know, I definitely remember medical school, and I was in a more unique program where I was working one-on-one -on -one with an attending, and it was a attending for each specialty, and I actually got to gain the longitudinal relationships with them and build feedback over time, where actually in residency, where my EM residency at UCSF, we have over 100 different faculty members. And so I actually feel more of the day-to-day, -day, short term evaluations and feedback now in residency because I'm constantly working with new people. Right. And that produces a lot of stress because they don't know you and you don't know them, right? Whereas the experience you had, you had that unique program of the longitudinal experience in medical school where you, it wasn't as intense. I think the experience that most students who do the traditional model where they do six-week clerkships or eight-week clerkships, they have that more intense experience of what you're doing now, basically, Nicole, of having different attendings, maybe for a week or two weeks max, and being judged perpetually by these new people and under the microscope. So I'm really glad for you that that was your, your experience in med school. And so now this experience you're having in residency, and I'm guessing it does produce some stress for you. Have you seen any good ways that feedback has been given? And have you seen any bad ways that it's been given in your experience so far? Yeah, that's a great question. I like to think about it like you're starting that first day on the job, right? Everyone's nervous. You want to make a good first impression. You, you know, make sure you like pick out that power outfit that you feel the most confident in. I think the hard part about medical school and residency is every day almost feels like your first day of work and having to meet new people and having to showcase what you know, where you still need to grow and learn and kind of build trust with people, which definitely I think is built over time. And it's a hard situation to be in because as a learner, especially a learner in medicine where you don't want to make major mistakes. You want to make sure that your patients are continuing to stay healthy and you're making the right clinical decisions. And so feedback and oversight is extremely important, but it's also hard to constantly be working with new people and having to continuously build trust and showcase what you know and what you don't know. And so I think it does cause a lot of anxiety and does cause 
people to feel a little bit self-conscious and potentially worry about how am I being evaluated? How are others seeing me? And I think that just can cause a downward spiral, which I definitely have seen happen to myself and others. You asked a really good question about when have I experienced good feedback and when have I experienced not so helpful feedback. I think for me, oftentimes the negative feedback, which I think is really important, I think it can be constructive, definitely stays with me more than the positive feedback. And I don't know if that's just my personality or what, but I do think that there is a way to give constructive feedback and kind of changing that narrative. Is it negative or is it more redirecting and trying to be constructive to change the way you go about a situation? And so I think there's a way to say it, to showcase what you've done well, while also showcasing areas of growth that you can do in the future. And I think whenever you get that kind of sandwich technique where they talk about, hey, this is what I really appreciated on shift and really giving us that positive feedback that this is what I think you did well. And then these are the areas that I think that you can grow in. What do you think? And that when it's presented in that way, I think it goes a lot better. I think where it can be hard is, especially if it's in the middle of a busy shift and all you're receiving is critiques or negative feedback that's not given at the right time, the right space, or in a way that feels like they want you to grow and get better rather than just focusing on that negative aspect. I think that's where sometimes I struggle. Yeah, I I appreciate how you shared that exactly. And what you said about like timing and space, it's really, these are really important things. And you and I have read some of the same articles recently about feedback and what are some best practices. And we can talk about that a little bit, like in the busy setting, whether you're in the emergency department or on the wards or in a busy clinic, wherever you are, as a faculty with a resident or as a resident, you may have a student, for example, with you, the idea of you need to share. You, that's the goal, right? The student or resident needs to learn or be given some feedback, positive or constructive, however we want to say, you know, something both for growth. But you're also really busy and you have to do what's, you know, the the next patient and the next patient and the issues at hand. So it is really hard, Nicole, to kind of find that timing and space. I think from what I've shared, what I've read with you, and I've also, I did a faculty development fellowship many years ago, and that was one of the best things I ever did when I was a young junior faculty, because I learned a lot about like how to be faculty, how to be effective and how to do right in so many ways for your students and your learners. One of the best things I learned was about feedback and the idea of finding, first of all, the right time and finding the right and appropriate space to give thoughtful feedback to somebody else and to honor the relationship you have with them, even if it's a brief relationship, even if you only know this person, you know, for the this afternoon clinic or whatever it is, it's really important. So to try to do feedback in a rush, in a hurry, it doesn't always land well, either from you or, or to the learner, but it also can harm the person. Because, you know, as you said, Nicole, one thing that I think is, I wanted to just comment on, it's not just you. We all, I think all of us as humans take negative comments and absorb and hold on to them 
much, they're much stickier. They, they land and they stay much more than positive comments. And that's, I think, universally true as humans. Some of us, you know, may have an especially hard time receiving positive more than others. But I do think that idea of if somebody, you can spend the entire day doing a million things really well and getting a million really good comments that are just so positive, And one person says one negative thing to you. And what do you do at the end of the day? That's all you remember is that one negative thing. And I don't think that it's specially, you're very special, but in that way, you're not unique. I think we all need to learn how to balance and be fair in our own receiving of feedback to say, yes, I got something constructive. I got something that felt negative. I'm not going to let that affect my self-esteem. I'm going to take whatever nugget of wisdom is there, if there is any, and I'll absorb that and make that part of my growth. But I'm not going to let that affect my self-esteem or my sense of worth as a student, as a resident, as a physician. So I think part of feedback is like as the recipient is that learning to take it with a grain of salt, you know, and also to not, not, not hear, that's a double negative, to actually hear the positive and take it in and then hear whatever felt negative, which we could reframe and call, like you said, constructive or growth. We have the growth mindset. This is, this is helpful for my growth and not take it as a negative. So I think that's the part about receiving feedback. And Shiva, you know, thinking about feedback and receiving feedback, I think we talked about how sometimes it can be really difficult to receive constructive feedback. And sometimes there's attendings who give amazing feedback in a way that feels constructive. But then there's also times that as a learner, you get feedback that's not given in the most constructive way and can be pretty hurtful. And I've definitely had an experience where I feel like my confidence as a resident was really shaken by some feedback that was given in not the most constructive way. What advice would you give for people who maybe got feedback in a way that was not the most constructive and don't feel empowered to ask more questions and vice versa, give that person feedback? Yeah, yeah, Nicole. I, I mean, that scenario is is very real. I'm sorry that you had that. I think the truth is sometimes, sometimes there are attendings or residents who give feedback in a very harsh way, and it might be really negative. And actually, they may come across as negative. And again, not everybody who is in a teaching position has the wherewithal, maybe in that moment or in general, to have that sensitivity and that kindness and the thoughtfulness about the learner and where they are and what we've been talking about. There are examples of that. And myself, I've included, I've been the recipient as a student and as a resident of some pretty harsh moments, Nicole, that I still remember to this day, where I was given very harsh, unkind feedback. Let me be honest about it. it was negative, but it was also given in a negative way. And I can remember being completely shaken from my confidence as well. Like maybe I'm not meant to be a doctor. Maybe I'm not very smart. Uh, It can really hurt because the person who's in the learning position is not only disempowered, but also we don't have confidence. Nicole, as a first year or a second year resident now, I don't think you have as much confidence as you will coming in the next few years. It's a growing process, right? So confidence comes with time. So I think if we we should talk about this a little bit, what do you do when you've been given feedback that feels very negative and that has been given in a negative way and you don't feel empowered to talk back or to speak back or to give 
a rebuttal, for example, you know, but this, because that teacher is giving you pretty harsh feedback in a harsh way. And my answer to that is, because I've been there, I've received it. My answer to that is to have the strength to know who you are and to have the strength to say, this is just one person's opinion. That's very important. And also to not take it too personally. It's normal to take it personally. I can't say that anyone cannot. I did too, and I'm sure you did. You feel really bad, but when you're done feeling bad, hopefully not too long from that situation, and you're reflecting, I think be honest with yourself and say, and first of all, take it with a grain of salt. Who is the person who gave the feedback? Are they known to be somebody who's pretty harsh? Ask your fellow residents, and I believe you did, Nicole. Ask your fellow classmates, you know, is this person known to give harsh feedback or are they really, you know, what spot on? And are they known to be sort of negative people? Unfortunately, there are people like that in our world, in our experience. And if you find that out, then for sure, take the feedback with a grain of salt. And that means don't take it too seriously. If there's any truth to what was given to you or told to you, take it and learn from it and carry it forward. If most of it was unfair and unkind and rude, understand that person and just say to yourself, that person is not in a good place. That person clearly isn't somebody who is in a compassionate, caring place as a teacher talking to me in a kind way. And I'll just forgive them and have some compassion for whatever's going on in their lives that's making them be so harsh and unkind to me. But the reality is my phrase that I tell everyone and that I had to learn too, is whenever you're given feedback, especially when it's negative, consider the source. Ask yourself, is this someone I know and respect and they're giving me very out of character, negative, mean feedback, then worry about them. <laughs> is this somebody you don't know, but you know is respected and has you know feedback to give that's useful? Then take the feedback part that's useful for your growth, but don't take the negativity. Don't absorb that. They must not be in a good place. And if this is someone known to be really harsh and really negative and just not the best teacher, and there are people like that, unfortunately, then really do your best to disregard it. If there was still any truth to the situation, be very careful to pick out whatever might be accurate, but not make it personal and not to make yourself feel bad or lose confidence. And I know that's a tall order, it's asking a lot, but it is really important. Consider the source and don't let your confidence be shattered by those experiences. That's such good advice. I do appreciate that a lot. And I think also looking at the trends, you know, have people evaluated you similarly in the past? And if it's a trend, I think take it a lot more seriously. If it's a one-off experience, I think you can also let it be. And so I think really taking it and looking at the large body of evidence and the large body of evaluations and see how it fits and how it feels to you. Exactly. Perfect. I'd like to hear what you have to say about the giving of feedback, because I was just commenting on some of the things we shared with each other about asking, what do you think about what just happened? What do you think went well? And letting that person say what they think that went well, and then telling them, yeah, I think that went well. And I also think this went well and being very specific about things rather than the general, oh, you did great, or you didn't do so well, right? That's being specific about, I think you did this really well. And letting the person say what they did well. So asking and then telling them and then asking again, and what do you think could have gone better? 
and letting that person think about it and say, well, I could have done this better. And then adding to that and say, yes, I agree. I also would suggest this and give some really constructive, useful tips for what could be done better. The technique of asking for the right time and finding the right space and then doing that ask, tell, ask and add might be a good method to do that. And then I would just add the big thing is being specific. Like, I really like the way you sat down when you talked to that patient and you didn't have that hierarchy of your physical dynamic. You actually saw eye to eye. I thought that was fabulous. And it made the patient feel at one with you. And then the other specific, whatever was the comment that I want to tell you about what you could have done differently or what you could do differently next time. I'm curious what your reflections are and if you have any different thoughts. Yeah, I think this is great. I think we we both are very passionate about this topic. And as a resident who's going to become a senior resident next year and having to start evaluating medical students for the first time, it's definitely something that I am thinking more and more about. And I also want to preface that I think people in the medical field, you know, whether you are a resident, whether you're an attending, you're giving feedback, I think the goal of feedback is to make the person a better doctor and to build up their confidence and to make them grow into the best physician or the best healthcare provider that they can be. And so I think approaching feedback through that lens is extremely important. I also want to point out that oftentimes in medicine, yes, we have the one-on-one feedback, but a lot of times I get feedback in written form and I don't actually get that open dialogue and you get feedback that maybe is out of context. And so I think it can be a struggle. What we're talking about today and giving tips and tricks is specifically when we're talking one-on-one with the learner, with the supervisor. But also I think it's important to point out a lot of this feedback also is coming as written form and we don't get a chance to respond or ask questions or put it in the context. Whenever we're given feedback, at least what works well for me is when I'm given specific feedback, at a pretty close time to when the situation occurred. And so I'm able to specifically remember, oh, when I did this, this is what the feedback is regarding. And that allows me to help change course and create action for myself. But when I get feedback that's a couple months old, I don't know what they're necessarily referring to. It's more generalized. It is harder for me as a learner to use that feedback and to grow as a physician. Additionally, I think as I'm thinking about feedback, giving and receiving, it's not only important to think about how feedback is given, but also how feedback is received. And I think it's equally important for the learner to be in a space that is growth mindset and being in a space where you are wanting to learn, you're wanting to improve, you want feedback, whether good, whether constructive, you want to be able to be open to that conversation. And it's a two-way street. In order to be a great person and, and give really good feedback, you also need to have someone on the other end being open to receiving that feedback and doing with it what they will to become and improve into the best position they can be. Fabulous. 
fabulous. I completely agree with you, Nicole. That's that's perfect. Perfectly said. Yeah. So as I've been on both sides and you've been on both sides of, you know, the giving and the receiving. And I know personally, and you you said this as well, I I am sensitive. I think most of us are. And I do take um, what I would call some constructive slash negative feedback, feedback about something that I didn't do right or, you know, could have done better. A lot of us in medicine were so much into being high performing and doing right, like almost all the time that we do get really down on ourselves if we do anything wrong. And it almost feels like, I mean, it's an impossible thing to be perfect all the time. And of course, when you're learning, especially, you're not going to be perfect a lot of the time. And so you do need people to tell you what your technique wasn't right in whatever you were just doing. And let me show you a better way. And that is feedback. That part about the emotional experience of receiving somebody saying to you, first of all, what you did was wrong. (laughs) You know, they may not use it in those exact words. Sometimes they do, which is kind of harsh, but sometimes people will be more delicate about, you know, I can see why you thought to do this way, but I have a better way for you. And let me show you that. The big piece is when we're in the receiving side and also when we're on the giving side to be really mindful of, I'll just start with the giving side. I always think of before I share anything with anyone in terms of the feedback, this is a person who has feelings, who's going to likely take this in a hard way. So I try to just be really gentle and start with saying, I'd like to give you some feedback. Would that be good for you right now? So that one, they know feedback. So they make their antennae may go up, all right? But again, gives them the chance to say, I'm really not in a space for it. Most people don't, but if somebody does, I'm really knowing that this is good to know. But that language of, I'd like to give you some feedback to share about how that went, would that be okay? Allows that person to kind of hear it and get ready, sort of almost brace themselves, right? It is actually advisable to generally start with something positive and say, I have something I wanna tell you that's positive. And I don't want you to disregard this because most people are waiting for the other shoe to fall. They're like, myself included, oh, they're going to say something positive, blah, blah, blah. What's the bad stuff, right? But I really want them to hear this. I want you to hear this first. What you did was amazing and specifically this. And then I want to pause and hear if they took that in because it's so normal for us on the receiving side to completely disregard and let it blow past us. And we're just waiting for that negative thing to come on so we can hold on to it and feel really bad. So I want that to be a really important starting point. And then again, as I said, to hear them say what else they thought they did well. And then I always do try to use the language of, and now I want to share something with you that I think you could do better. We can, as the feedback giver, help the receiver hear it in a way that we mean, which is, I want you to know it's normal to not get this right. And I want you to learn from this, you know, help them to be in that growth mindset, right? I want you, this is what I'm going to share with you because I want you to grow. I want you to do this better next time and feel really good about it. Not because you did something wrong and you should know it. That's really different, right? So that language somehow, however you say, but to kind of prep the listener, because they may not be in that growth mindset space, but to help them say, I want you to be in this space where I want you to see this as what I'm sharing with you is going to be helping you to be really better. So I'm very explicit about it. Nicole, what do you think about that? Has that been shared with you at any point in your experience as receiving feedback? I think you're giving really amazing points. And I think it's so important to give both positive and negative feedback. And actually something 
when you were first talking about how we all focus on that one negative nugget out of a sea of positive feedback, myself included. My husband actually gave me some really sage advice last year, actually, that I've been incorporating is, so he's a software engineer and he writes a brag list. So any kind of positive feedback he gets, any big accomplishments, he'll write them down and he'll refer to those. And so now whenever I receive positive feedback on Shift, I will write it down. And having that positive feedback written down and something that I can refer to later is really wonderful when I do get constructive feedback that can be construed as more negative. I'm able to Yes, learn from that, accept that, appreciate that feedback, but then also remind myself, okay, I have room for growth, but look at what I'm actually doing that has been appreciated and has been congratulated by by others, which I think is just equally important. So that's been a huge a huge change for me that I think focuses on the positive that can often be lost. Awesome. Oh, that's wonderful advice. That's wonderful. But I'm learning. I'm learning from you. That's yeah, fabulous. No, I'm really he, glad he taught you that. Yeah. It's absolutely fabulous. I think it's hard when we talk about negative versus positive feedback. So I kind of want to talk about this a little bit more because after doing some literature review on the topic, I think there's some there's some changes we can make in how we think about giving and receiving feedback. And so in terms of positive feedback, I think oftentimes We think about it as a pat on the back, as a one-off, oh, they had to say that kind of situation. But I think if we reframe and think about positive feedback as also constructive feedback and highly formative for learners, we actually can focus on giving really specific but positive feedback that can actually help encourage learners to continue the things that we really appreciate that they're already doing and have them recognize, oh, this behavior, you know, what I'm doing is actually a really good thing and I'm going to continue doing this or I'm going to make sure all of my patients experience this. And so I think thinking about it in that way is also important. And then also thinking about Instead of saying negative feedback, why don't we talk about it as redirecting feedback? So thinking about, okay, I have a learner who is doing something that I don't love, but I want them to do it in this way or I want them to change in this way. So instead of saying like you're doing this wrong, you can say, you know, when you do this, this is the experience. But if you tweak or change and do it in this other way, or have you thought about doing it in this way, it not only gives them the negative or constructive feedback, but it also gives them a path moving forward and a direction for how they can improve and how they can make it a strength and a growth for their practice. That's wonderful. Yeah, completely agree. And I think in one of the articles, a language was suggested, as you said, positive versus negative, you could actually call the positive could be called reinforcing feedback, like you're doing something really specific. And let me tell you what it is. And I want to reinforce that that's fabulous. And you should keep doing that because it really has a great effect. It's really wonderful the way you and then be specific. And then rather than call it negative or constructive, you could call it redirecting. So I'd like to sort of redirect or reframe how you 
are doing this blank thing. When you do it this way, the effect could be this. And if you do it this way, the effect could be far better. And here's, well, let me give you some very specific example of that in terms of teaching. So I love that idea of being reinforcing positive things and redirecting what you might consider something that could change or could be done better. I think even just framing it that way makes a big difference to the listener to hear it. I just want to reinforce some other techniques that Shiva discussed earlier. So creating the time, creating the physical space. So making sure to ask for consent. I have some feedback for you is now an okay time. Making sure the learner is also ready to accept the feedback. Making sure that you're in a private space, a space that doesn't have distractors or is relatively quiet. And I think also important, Shiva mentioned the ask-tell-ask method. And so going a little bit deeper into this, really asking the learner first, we just experienced this scenario. How do you think that went? How do you think the patient felt? And really asking these open-ended questions to elicit feedback and a lot of learners do have insight in what went well and what maybe could have room for improvement. And so I think by opening up the conversation, asking them where they are, how they feel, you'll get to meet them where they're at. And oftentimes, I think we know when and we'll ask for, hey, you know, this didn't go that well. What do you think? And I'd love to know how to better handle that in the future. And so I think creating a conversation rather than just a statement or giving that feedback and having that be kind of a one-way communication and then telling them, saying, this is how I think the situation could have gone better. And this is what, again, I think maybe you could do in the future to improve. And then asking them at the end, how do you feel about what I've recommended? Do you think that recommendation will work with your style as a physician? Or do you have another question or more feedback for me? And having it be that two-way street, I think is so, so important. Absolutely. That feedback being a dialogue, a conversation, Nicole, like you said, as opposed to just this one way, the senior person is going to pour feedback, their judgment onto the, the more junior person. I love that idea and the way you framed it from our reading together as well. And just the framework of it being a conversation to me is probably so meaningful because if it feels like a conversation between equals, as opposed to a conversation, quote unquote, conversation where the senior person is just, you know, infusing their judgment onto the more junior, I think the experience is so different. The experience feels much more respectful and it really does honor both of them. What really touches me and that we're talking about, Nicole, is that asking the recipient, how does that feel? How do you feel now? And if you make that space for them to be able to say it honestly to you, then I think that's such an opportunity to be able to dialogue about what it feels like to be given this feedback. Either they really don't agree, but they didn't feel empowered to say so until I probed and said, you don't seem to feel really happy about it. And they may have a defense or something to say that I misinterpreted. And I'd love to hear that. And, you know, we can dialogue conversation around it, or they really do feel hurt, emotionally hurt. And 
offended or fill in the blank for the feeling that is a negative feeling. And then being able to dialogue about what it feels like to get feedback that doesn't feel positive and what to do with that, right? So I think being able to help someone cope with the feedback they've just been given is also really important because that's what the person, the learner is going to remember. Remember that wonderful Maya Angela quote? She said, I've learned that people will forget what you said and people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel. And so what the student or the learner is going to take away is whether they felt cared for and respected and that the person giving feedback really cared about their growth and their well-being, or if it just felt rote and like a responsibility and it felt kind of robotic or unfeeling. I really, really love that, Shiva. I think it's so important to have that dialogue because I truly believe a space in medical school, a space in residency, it's so incredibly important to have the ability to have open dialogue and to feel safe and to feel like it's okay to ask for help and ask questions and not feel nervous that you're going to be perceived as stupid or incompetent and By opening up that space for two-way communication, you as a senior or as the attending are showcasing that you want to hear from your learner. You want to hear what they're experiencing, what they're going through. And honestly, I've heard one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was a sub-i-rotating was that resident who never asks for help, never asks questions my level of trust is pretty low. But that resident who I know when they need help, they don't know something, they ask for help, they ask for clarifying information. And they, when I ask them a question and they say, you know what, I don't know, but I can look that up. That's that resident that I trust because they know their limits and they feel comfortable asking for help when they've reached their limit. And that's what residency in medical school is about. And so to be able to create that comfortable, safe environment, I think is so important to the safety and the sanctity of what is medical training. I completely agree. That's fabulous the way you shared that, Nicole. I remember a time when I had a medical student working with me in a clinic that I was working at, and this medical student perpetually showed up a little bit late and perpetually seemed uninterested. And so my assessment, you know, and it was a busy clinic, we were running around and, and, you know, he did, he did what needed to be done, but really didn't seem very present. And somewhere about, I didn't wait very long. I mean, about a week or two in, and I started to notice that was kind of his pattern. And I was a younger attending, I was newer at this, but I was kind of ready to give him some kind of feedback about, you know, doing exactly what we said in that method that we talked about. And I practiced like how I would say that I didn't think he was doing you know, as, as well as I hoped, and and I was going to be specific, but I was so glad that I did what we talked about, that I found the right time. And I found the quiet space in my office and we sat together. And when I asked him to start off with what his own assessment was about how he thought he was doing and what he thought was going well. And I want to just emphasize how much what you said, Nicole, the safety of our experience together, because even though he didn't seem interested, we still had a a good positive sort of working time together and he knew that I cared. So when we sat together to talk and I asked him how he thought things were and what he was doing well, the truth is, 
and I learned so much from this experience, he started to cry. And I was really surprised. I did not, in all my thinkings around what he would say, that was not one of the things I thought would happen. And I stayed with him and sat with him and just kind of held, touched his arm and said, it's okay to cry. When he was ready, I said, could you tell me what it, what it is that you're feeling? What is this about? And I thought he was probably terrified of me giving him negative feedback. And I really tried so hard to be nice about it so that he wouldn't be scared of me. I'm not a very scary person, I don't think. So you know what happened, Nicole? What he, what he started to share is that he has been struggling with depression for some time and that his mental health was a real struggle and a challenge for him for some time. He was a third year medical student and that, and it just, things came up, the stresses that he was under and they had to do with family issues and a lot of his own personal mental health issues that were longstanding and that he was really sinking and he just was showing up late because he couldn't get his energy to come in. He was really clinically depressed. And I was so grateful that he shared that because it prevented me. <laughs> I'm glad I started with that rather than starting with giving him my feedback that I didn't think he was cutting it or he was showing up later. I didn't just throw feedback at him. That setting the tone and setting the right space and what you shared, the sanctity of that relationship with, with him was really important. And he felt safe to tell me that. It shifted everything. I completely understood why he seemed so uninterested and why he was so slow at doing what needed to be done and why he was showing up late. It just put it all into perspective. And I had the lens of compassion to see what was going on for him. So I didn't talk about, did you know that you're showing up late? Did you know, you know, these are things he was well aware of, but he was struggling. And our conversation completely took a turn to find ways that he could focus on his mental health and how I could help him with that. So that idea that, you know, people who aren't performing that well are needing feedback to tell them how to perform better. For me, that was so informative because the truth is people that aren't performing well have something going on. And, and that, was my, that was my sort of aha moment. And that's why I never give any feedback about anything without first asking where someone's at first. absolutely love that. I think it's so important. A lot can be assumed. And if you don't ask, and you don't ask someone, how are you? And ask those open-ended questions. You might miss something very important. And yes, we are in a teacher-learner environment, but we're also all human and we all have relationships. And I think we can't forget the humanity in it. And we can't forget that we all have lives outside of medicine and medicine isn't always the number one thing happening in our lives. And so I think leaving space for life and leaving space for imperfection and leaving space for the messiness that is life is so important. And to meet people where they're at and ask those questions is very important. Speaking of something that you mentioned a little bit earlier, as a resident myself, I think we also have to recognize this huge power dynamic that exists between whether it be residents and med students or attendings and med students or residents and attendings. I think, yes, asking and having those open and honest relationships is important, but I think it can be really difficult when you're on the learner side to feel comfortable 
giving feedback the other direction. And as an attending, I would love to know your thoughts and experiences with how maybe you've received feedback in the past from learners or kind of your experience with that power dynamic and how we can empower ourselves as learners to also send feedback in the other direction as well. Because I know attendings are also growth mindset and always want to know areas where they can improve. That's exactly it. Because we're all human and we're all trying to grow and we're all trying to get better at what we do. And we don't see ourselves unless somebody tells us how they see us. That's how we learn to see ourselves better. Yeah, that's such a great question, Nicole. Honestly, that what you said, that's such a bit, that's kind of the elephant in the room we haven't discussed. And I'm really glad you brought it up. The power dynamic, the power differential between student and attending or resident and attending, it's the gap gets smaller when you're a resident, but it's still a gap. And there is the authority and the power up, up here. So to be honest, the truth for me, in my experience as a student, first of all, I never gave feedback to an attending because, again, I want to remind you, I come from a different era from many, a couple of decades ago. In the current era, students are encouraged to give feedback, but it hasn't changed. In the Just because you're encouraged doesn't mean, you know, we were not encouraged and no one did it. People now are being encouraged, but no one's doing it. <laughs> so again, there's the lip service of encouragement. We value your opinion. You actually do get to give feedback, you know, on sort of anonymous feedback, or you give feedback, you know, again, as you said, sort of asynchronously, mostly like after the fact, you can sort of put in something. If something was really egregious and horrible, you can put it in. There's always the fear when you're a student or a resident of retaliation and then just being isolated and having honestly some kind of subtle or not subtle retaliation on your evaluations going forward. So it's really a very, unfortunately, a really disempowered place to be, whether you're a student or a resident. But having said that, I have gotten feedback from some students, which they're only unique students that will do this. And I want to just like to any of our listeners, I really do want to encourage you to obviously be mindful of the power dynamic and be realistic about whether you can or can't give feedback and think about who that attending is. If they seem approachable, and I hope many attendings do seem approachable and you might have a reasonable relationship with, I think if you were to say to an attending, and I've had this done, can I share with you something that I experienced with our last patient encounter in room four, Mrs. You know Jones, I just make up a name. And then it's similar. It's, yes, you can. What, would you like to talk here or would you like to talk somewhere else? Oh, I'd like to go somewhere private, <laughs> a student or resident might tell me, which I think is fabulous. And then I we go to somewhere private and then we sit down and I say, what would you like to share? And then I have had student or resident S, you know, plural over the years, say something to me like, well, when you said such and such to Mrs. Jones, I felt like she was sort of offended by that. And I don't know if you noticed it, but I felt uncomfortable or something like that, you know, whatever the situation, but specifically saying, and I'm so grateful when someone tells me something like that, because it's kind of an aha for me, like, oh, I had no idea. I'm so glad you shared that with me first. And then I get to assess, I didn't notice that. What else did you notice? And then we can talk about it. There may be the student or resident misinterpreted or misjudged, you know, from my perspective, and I have a different opinion, or it could be that they were right and I miss saw what happened. And it just brings this, if I take it with humility and with 
growth mindset, right? And also honoring their opinion. Like you have every right to share and I'm proud of you for having the courage to tell and attending. And then we have the dialogue. It's actually been really meaningful for me. And again, it's gone both ways where one of us was right or wrong, but it doesn't matter because the whole point of it was having a dialogue about how we can have different impressions and what does that mean? And at, at times I've had to correct something, you know, going to the patient and saying, you know, Mrs. Jones, I'm I'm aware today that some something I didn't know, did I offend you yesterday? You know, we get to talk about it. So yes, it can be done, but I would say, Nicole, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. I think you have to be careful as a student or resident to whom you give feedback and how. The how is kind of shared, like what we just shared. The who is, you do have to be careful, I'm gonna be honest. You can't, there's some people where you might just be too afraid. You're afraid of how they'll judge you back. You don't need to set yourself up for you know more pain. So the feedback process depends on how you feel and how you feel safe or not safe. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I have to say though, Shiva, you are so approachable and such a sweet, wonderful, warm-hearted person that I can imagine that you would be the probably the easiest person ever to give feedback to. But I also recognize like with the power dynamic and thinking about you're going to be working with these people for years to come. Sometimes they have the power to change your job trajectory. These are very, very big things and so and can have huge consequences. And so I think residents and medical students are in a really tough spot. And I know the culture is changing, but I don't think it has changed quite enough. And I do think it's important to utilize those anonymous feedback forms if something happens and you want to share, because I think that is a safe way to give feedback. But hopefully in the future, we'll have more open dialogue and there won't be as much of the power dynamic or the concern for retaliation. And we will be able to have those harder conversations because at the end of the day, I think we all want the best training system possible. And I think everyone who chooses to go into academics does it with a growth mindset. And I think as long as people have a little bit of humility, I'm hoping that we can have those open and honest conversations. I don't think we can have this conversation without specifically talking about implicit bias. I think this is also a really important topic to discuss in this specific episode. And Implicit bias is real, and we should work to understand our own biases and find ways to evaluate students and residents with these biases in mind. And I wanted to share two studies that I found that talk about the biases that are included, specifically for students and residents of color. And so in 2017, Ross and colleagues evaluated the summative medical student performance evaluations, also known as MSPEs. And for those who don't know, those are those major cumulative evaluations that are sent out to residencies when students apply. And it was, this was at a single institution, and they found significant differences based on race. White applicants were more likely to be described using words like standout or ability, including exceptional, best, and outstanding, while Black applicants were more likely to be described as competent. 
And these differences remain statistically significant even after controlling for USMLE or the major licensing exam, step one scores. So regardless of their performance in the medical assessments exams, they were being evaluated differently. And another study, a cross-sectional analysis of resident evaluations at six residency training programs that was published in the Academic Medicine Journal in 2022, found that residents who identified as underrepresented in medicine were statistically more likely to have lower competency scores in medical knowledge, systems-based practice, practice-based learning and improvement, professionalism, and interpersonal and communication skills. So throughout all of those different areas of competency scores, they statistically ranked lower, which is just so unfortunate and so horrible. And I think it's important to discuss the implicit biases that exist. And unfortunately, our students and residents of color are being unfairly evaluated and are statistically being evaluated lower than their white counterparts, which I think is a huge issue, especially as we try to increase our diversity in medical school as well as residencies across the country. I appreciate your reading from both of those articles, Nicole, and I don't know what to say. I think it's really disturbing. Every time we read and share anything about the implicit biases and just the overt, I'm just going to say, you know, acts of racism that feel like they're very real and they're they are very real and they're very much a part of uh, people's experience, people of color's experience and people who are in underrepresented minorities of all realms and domains. I just think it's so important, as you said, to share that and to be aware and to be aware, to check ourselves, to check ourselves when we're in a position of, I mean, what's the point of all this? It's really just to kind of tell us to, as individuals and as people who are in the position of giving having some authority at being the feedback giver as opposed to the receiver, we need to be aware of whether we're interpreting or using biases, using a lens to see somebody in a lesser light because of their fill in the blank, their status of, of being underrepresented or a minority in whatever way. And you know, marginalized communities, this is what people live with every single day of their life. I think it's extremely important, and I just want to plug the Project Implicit, which is a nonprofit organization. It's an international collaborative network of researchers who are specifically investigating implicit social cognition or thoughts and feelings that are largely outside of conscious awareness and control, and specifically focusing on ways we can decrease our own implicit bias. And I do think it's important to think about feedback both ways. And I think a way to maybe make feedback feel like it's a two-way street between the teacher and the learner is to do exactly what you said and ask for feedback. And as a either a senior resident or an attending, checking in with your learner, am I supporting you in the best way possible? How can I do better? What do you need from me to feel like you are well supported and that you feel like you are in the best learning environment? And allowing them to give you feedback in that way, I think, is just an easier way to start that conversation and may hopefully change that culture and, and allow us to have more open conversations across different levels of power dynamics. 
All right. Well, Shiva, I really appreciate you coming on for this very special episode of Meaningful Moments. And I think there's a lot we could continue to talk about. And I think this is just the start of an important topic and conversation. But I appreciate you being here with me today. Thank you, Nicole. It's always a pleasure. It's wonderful to talk with you. Thank you for tuning in today and allowing us to be one of your meaningful moments. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and share with friends, family, and colleagues. Meaningful Medicine was produced by Shiva Kayambashi, Nicole Hohenstein, David Elkin, Nikki Elkin, Aheli Chattopadhyay, and Leigh Kodama. Editing by Nicole Hohenstein, Nikki Elkin, and Leigh Kodama. Intro and closing by Daniel Wentling. On Meaningful Medicine, we are careful to ensure that all stories are compliant with healthcare privacy laws and details may have been changed to ensure patient confidentiality. All views expressed are of the person speaking and not their employer.